What is going on, Warriors? Happy to have you here for today's episode. Today we're going to go over habits, what you might be compensating in, and how the power of asking why can change your life. Let's get into our theme song. I've spent the last 10 years pushing the limits while identifying trends and patterns in my type 1 diabetes management. Follow along as I learn, apply, and share the fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies that I've learned from diabetes experts around the world. The real question is, how can we live fearlessly with diabetes while maintaining stable blood sugars? This podcast is here to give you the answer. My name is Matt Vandevecht, head coach and co-founder of FTF Warrior, and welcome to Part of My Pancreas. Years ago, I used to snack before bed every single night. Now, for me, I thought it was a way to build muscle, gain weight. I figured more calories is going to lead to weight gain, which was my goal at that time, right? And so I always had a snack before bed. It could be uh, a, a small protein bar, right? The, my favorite was the uh, Power Crunch bars a couple years ago. Those were 12 grams of carbs, uh, like 10 grams of fat, something like 20 grams of protein. I don't remember the exact macros, but they were delicious, first of all. But second, I thought, okay, protein bar before bed, let that digest overnight when I can't eat because I'm sleeping, and uh, I'll wake up with more muscle, right? And of course, this is <laughs> before the days when I was a personal trainer, but uh, I used to snack every single night. And that was a habit that I had gotten into uh, for a couple of reasons. One, wanted to build muscle. Two, I was hungry, right? Three, and this is the one that took me a while to figure out, if I didn't snack at night, my blood sugars tended to drop which is a really interesting distinction, right? Understanding that I built a habit around something to avoid this dangerous low. So I used to wake up, you know, two, three, maybe even four o'clock in the morning with low blood sugar. Before the days of my CGM, before I was on an insulin pump, just simple finger pricks and insulin injections, right? And middle of the night was notorious for me going low. I wake up shaking, sweating, and uh, confused. I crawl over to the fridge, drink, way too much juice. I was going to say a gallon, but I, I never drank a gallon of juice. <laughs> but I would have way too much sugar and then crawl back into bed in a dazed state and then pass back out, right? And I wake up in the morning, 200, 250, whatever. Not ideal. It was a roller coaster ride nonstop. And what I did to offset that, not on purpose initially, was I started snacking at night. And in my head, I'm just like, okay, I'm hungry and maybe I'll go low this way. I don't have to go low. The reality was I had carbs that contained fat and fiber, I'm sorry, fat and proteins, slower digested throughout the night, kept me, of course, a little bit higher, but also helped me to avoid that drop. And after years of snacking on things that had carbs before bed, actually getting on a Dexcom and going, oh, wow, my blood sugars do not stay in range. <laughs> they go up and then kind of come back down, realizing that my basal insulin was too high, right? I was taking Lantus at the time, and my Lantus insulin, I was taking too much of it. So overnight, that's why I was seeing those lows. During the day, that's why I got to snack in between meals, something I also wasn't aware of. I thought I was just eating to help with my hunger. Turns out, it's because my basils were too high. I needed extra insulin to go throughout my day, to not go low. Which, you know, it's fun in games until you actually go low, right? During the time of snacking, you're like, this is sweet. I don't have to inject for snacks. I get to eat throughout the day. Uh, I can kind of just go throughout and not worry about blood sugars. Well, yeah, until you don't have access to a snack and then all of a sudden you go low and you're screwed. <laughs> that sucks. So taking a step back, of course, this is years later after I've learned 
about what goes on behind the scenes with blood sugars, understanding that those snacks before bed were what saved me from going low all of those nights. It's a habit that I built up over time without even realizing it. And so what I want you to think about throughout this episode is if you were to take a step back and to kind of view your diabetes management as a whole, ask yourself one question. Why do I do that? Things that happen every single day, right? For some people, and I have a lot of clients that do this, it is that snack before bed. It's, oh, I've just been doing this. this is, in fact, this is a client I had last year. He told me uh, after five calls with him, we we're trying to figure out his blood sugars overnight. Why do they keep going high? Well, turns out he snacks before bed, right? No judgment there. A lot of us do that. But he realized he just does that. I said, why do you snack before bed? Are you hungry? And he's like, no, not really. You know, I just, I do that. It's just what I do. Before bed, I grab some cheese, some crackers, and have a little snack, then go to bed. Well, it turns out he's been doing this for about 10 to 15 years, every single night, without missing one ever. This habit that was initially likely formed in a similar situation to mine, where he wanted to avoid those overnight lows, now that he's on a pump that can, you can set basils a bit more tightly, he still continued to snack, which led to overnight highs. Once we identified that, say, okay, you got a couple of choices here, right? You can take insulin for the food, you can reduce the carbohydrates in the food, put more fiber, uh, more fats, and kind of play with that. Once we know what the root cause was of that high blood sugar, then we could kind of reverse engineer it and go, okay, this habit that you've built up over the years is not serving you well. We need to make an adjustment here. Sure enough, made an adjustment, overnight blood sugars, perfect, 110 all night long. Can't get better than that, right? Compared to the 170, 190, 210. One habit, one shift, because we said, why? Why do you do that? Now understand that this can happen in a, a myriad of different areas of your life, right? Snack before bed, it could be, I always go for walks after meals. It could be, I always eat low carb for breakfast and then the rest of the day is different. Uh, these habits that we build up over time Oftentimes, we forget why we did it in the first place. And most of the time, it's our brain going, I want to automate this process, make it easier for you, right? Our brain's lazy. It wants to take the, the easiest route possible. So if it notices, hey, we're going high every day after breakfast, instead of problem solving and going, okay, maybe it's because I'm more insulin resistant, maybe I need more insulin in the morning, maybe because I didn't exercise the day before, I'm not drinking enough water, I'm not getting enough sleep. It could be all these different things, but the brain's like, instead of doing that, let's just limit what we know less carbs, right? And so you take this easy route, build a habit around that event, and all of a sudden, 10 years, 20 years later, you're like, why do I do that, right? For me, it was five years of snacking every night. Finally, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm going high during the night, and that's the issue that my bad habit is causing. Let's change that. But I didn't want to quite remove the snack because now I've gotten used to eating before bed, so I shifted over to fats and proteins only. And that was, of course, a lower impact. Still a little bit of an impact, but lower impact. So I started doing cheese sticks before bed. Or Trader Joe's has these awesome seaweed snack things that are like two carbs, right? So I limited the carbs. I watched to see what would happen then. Built a new habit around that. Eventually got to a place now where I don't snack before bed. I know it's, it's typically not great for your digestion <laughs> to eat right before going to sleep. But these habits that we built up are so automatic that we forget about them in the first place. Like someone asked me, Matt, why after eating do you not do your dishes? <laughs> I'm just gonna get real with you guys right now. 
Uh, they're like, why, why don't you do your dishes right away? Why do you leave them in the sink for like an hour? And I was like, huh, I do, I do that. That's a habit that I built up. I thought back, Matt, why do you leave the dishes in the sink? That's, that's not responsible, right? Uh, and ultimately it boiled down to, I get tired after I eat because I eat very large meals and I want to let that food digest. But two, I know that I get a strong pre-bolus because I want my blood sugars to be perfectly flatline, right? You guys have probably seen my blood sugars. I maintain about 95 to 97% in range and it's, it's, it looks good. And the only way that I can, not the only way, one of the main ways I can do that is by limiting certain variables throughout the day. So for me, a strong pre-bolus gives me that potential for a flatline. And if I were to go for a run, let's say, right after a meal, that flatline is gonna turn into double arrows down real quick, right? Because that insulin's threading the needle <laughs> with the, the food absorption. And so not doing the dishes is me uh, kind of, I built in that habit of no activity, don't go for a run after a meal into don't do anything at all for an hour after you eat. And I was like, oh my goodness, of course I can do the dishes. The dishes is not running a mile, right? So I had to kind of think back, reverse engineer and go, I, I built this habit to protect myself from low blood sugars because I, I shouldn't be exercising right after I eat, especially with a strong pre-bolus. However, that shouldn't affect all areas of my life, right? Does that mean that I can't do dishes? No, dishes, they take like five minutes, right? That's not a big deal. And so I had to reverse engineer my own habits of, yes, I can do the dishes. Yes, I can help out, clean the house, whatever it is. No, I'm not gonna do an hour and a half of chores right after I eat, because I'm gonna go low, right? That kind of falls under the aerobic type of activity, steady state. Uh, but what I can do is reverse engineer my habits and build new, stronger habits on top of those that do serve me well. So what I want you to think about right now, what in your life have you built into such an automatic habit that you forgot about it entirely, right? What have you built into your life that doesn't serve you well anymore? Maybe it is, uh, I go for walks after I eat, and you're like, yeah, I do that. Walks are good for me, right? Well, why are you going for walks after you eat? Oh, it's because you don't pre-bolus, and your blood sugars skyrocket, and as a result, you've trained yourself, go for a walk, to mitigate that spike, bring it back down in a range. Is it a good habit? Yes, because you're doing it for your blood sugars. But what happens if you can't go for that walk? Well, your brain might not connect the dots to, I can't go for a walk, I should take more of a pre-bolus. You might just forget to go for a walk and then you didn't pre-bolus and now all of a sudden you're sitting at 300, right? So the very first step of this is taking a step back and asking yourself, why? The power of why. Why do I do that? Why have I been doing this? Holy cow, I've been doing it for half of my life. Is it serving me well? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But understand why you do certain things can give you more of a, a glimpse into your habit forming, give you more power over your habits, and give you the opportunity to create new habits in place of those old habits to better serve yourself and your future. So, kind of looking over this as a broad example, Look across your day, across your night, across your diabetes management. What habits have you built up that might not be the best for you or could have some room for improvement, right? The walk after meals, that's a great strategy for bringing blood sugars down. However, I don't know if you should be allowing yourself to see that spike every single time and rely on the walks. Walks are a great tool, but they shouldn't be required, right? 
So maybe you start experimenting with the pre-bolus again. Maybe you try and dial in your actual bolus. Maybe your bolus ratios are off. That's why it requires a walk afterwards. Maybe your basal is offset and you haven't revisited your basal settings in a while. This is one that a lot of people overlook. In fact, I'll have to do a future episode on that one. Your basals might be the reason your entire day is a roller coaster. Also, side note, question everything. It doesn't have to stop at habits. Why do you take your basal at 10 o'clock at night if you're on MDI, right? Why not 9 p.m.? Why not 11 p.m., right? What if you split your dose? Who's to say you shouldn't, right? Talk to your doctor, obviously, but question everything, right? Who's to say that your basal settings are set at the right hours on your pump? Who's to say that the, the pre-bolus you've been using for the last 20 years is correct? Are you still going off of the first piece of information that you heard when you were first diagnosed? When I was first diagnosed, a lot of things were explained incorrectly. Question everything. Why do you take your basil this time? Why do you take your bolus this time? Why do you eat at certain times of the day? Why do you surround exercises with certain habits and glucose tablets and temp basils? Question everything. Invite innovation. And remember, just because you're questioning everything doesn't mean you're making changes now. It just opens up your mind to the possibility of what could be changed. You could bring these, these potential changes to your doctor. They would love that. And if they don't love that, you might need a new doctor, right? If they're not open to you making changes to tighten your control, you should probably find a new one. But look at these changes that you could potentially make. Ask why for everything, your habits, your routines, your insulin, your dosing, your carb counts, everything. Ask why in order to figure out how you can make small changes to tighten up your control. So, what I want you to think about, take a step back, ask yourself, why do I do these habits? How can I either improve or replace the existing habits to better serve my current self and my future self to build better habits, make my life easier, and make diabetes cooperate better? All right? Uh, if you want training, there's a video that I did recently on how to tightly control your diabetes so that it does not tightly control you, right? Understanding your basils, your boluses, your corrections, understanding how exercise and meals are going to impact your blood sugars, like the walk after a meal, or like me with dishes, realizing I can do that because I know without a shadow of a doubt how my blood sugars are going to respond. If you're the kind of person who's interested in learning how to stabilize and predict where your blood sugars are going to go so you can plan ahead better, I want you to head over to diabetesinaction.com. There's a link down in the notes below. Why don't you head over there? It's a free training I did recently. It's about 30-ish minutes long. And I'd recommend getting a notepad out and turning off your distractions because there's some interesting concepts in there that you likely haven't been introduced to before, especially surrounding predicting blood sugars. So head over to diabetesinaction.com. Have an amazing day. And go ask yourself why. Keep up the fight.